welcome to Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number four. This week my guest is Jonathan Fletcher. Jonathan writes military science fiction and like me is a writer and an artist. He'll be talking about his influences and how he goes about creating his stories. Do have a look at his website. His artwork really is amazing. At my desk this week I've been trying to tackle all the non-writing jobs to clear a path for my work in progress, which I hope to get on with over the weekend. My husband is off on a motorbike trip. A spot of bookkeeping, getting more of the A-plus content onto the Amazon platform, sending something to my email list with a view to Pride Month, and all those other little jobs that get in the way. Oh yes, and really, away from my desk, I really need to sort the house out. I'm not one of those writers that can just write in amongst the mess. I have a few friends that go, oh, don't worry about the mess. I'm in the middle of writing a chapter. And I look round and I think, "Mm, I wish that was me. I wish I could ignore everything and just get on with the writing. But unfortunately, if the kitchen floor wants washing, well, you'll find me washing the floor. I might be thinking about the writing, but really, I can't bear it when the house is dirty. So away from my desk this week, I will certainly be tidying up and making sure there's nothing to nothing to get in the way of the creativity. I'll be dealing with that laundry pile, washing that kitchen floor, making sure, they, making sure everything is spick and span. So when my husband does motorbike off into the distance, I'm going to be ready with my creative hat on to get on with the work in progress, which really I have neglected for far too long. OK, time to get on with the interview. Come and meet Jonathan Fletcher. He really is a lot of fun. Jonathan Fletcher, we have known each other for quite a long time over good old Twitter. Yeah. And, and it's it's been great to, over these years. We've we've gone back and forth. I've even I've even on one of your book covers as a zombie, I think, in uh, the background. Or I've definitely on, been on something. You're on a book cover. You're in you were on a, on a poster I did to advertise my books. But uh, you're uh, a character uh, in the books. There's a there's one of um the main character's friends who is another starship captain, is called Bo. And she's Good. based on you, and she's in about two or three of the books now. Oh, excellent! I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I made it she's to still the series. Alive. She's I'm still alive. alive. Yeah. Yeah. Does she kick ass? I really hope so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's very good with a with a crossbow. Yeah. And um, she's like, a, I think a specialist uh, was was sniper. So she she's very good at picking things off at long distance. Yeah. So so this is the thing um, for our listeners. Um, a long time ago, when Twitter in was, a galaxy far far in away. a galaxy far far <laughs> away, uh, we, we we've always been quite amused with my my name being Bowman and Jonathan being. Fletcher. So we 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 decided we we needed to be together, even though we write wildly different things. What I love, Jonathan, is your artwork. It's uh-huh. it's it's amazing, and I've and I've just had another little look on your website, and it still sparkles, and it's it's got such a lot going for it because you were a trained artist before you started writing, weren't you? Yeah, I did art and design at school foundation course then I did a three-year degree in film production and I specialized in graphics special effects all the people who made films came to me to do arty stuff for them and then um, off that got got into the animation industry worked for nearly 10 years at um, well I worked for about three or four years at Cosgrove Hall Films in Chalton who people will know for Chalton and the Wheelies, Camp Duckula, Danger Mouse etc then I did um, about 10 years at a company called Hot Animation, and our main production was Bob the Builder. 
and there I was a props maker and a set builder and then I worked my way up to art director. So I've had an art background my whole life. At um, Hot, I got into Photoshop because I had to use that as part of my job. And so I became fairly competent with that. And of course, a massive model making background from, from when I was a kid. I've always made stuff. And that developed into the career that I had as a, as a prop and, and set builder. So the book covers I do, I tend to build stuff, photograph it, and then Photoshop to add, say, a, a spaceship that I've built as a model into a background. So all of the skills come together in, in the books, the book covers that I do. So with your writing, John, do you think, do you think in pictures, do you think? You know, is is it like a visual? Is it like a film reel? I tend, your head? I tend to write because I, I did the, the. I've always been into science fiction, TV, and films, and I've always been fascinated by the movie making uh, process. And I I learnt how to make films on the degree that I did, and particularly storyboarding and scripting. So I tend to write my books like a film. I I write. The, the chapters, if you like, on little carts, which then I arrange on a wall a bit like a storyboard. So each panel in a storyboard would be a, a chapter in a book. And then I can move the cards around because I like to edit before I've written. So I actually work out the story like a film producer would before I even start to write the book. And then obviously, as I'm writing, I can edit as I go around and move things around. But it's it's almost as if I've planned it out like a storyboard before I start. And all the time I'm thinking of the visuals. I usually do the cover for the next book before I've even written it as inspiration. So I will have an idea in my head of, say, what the main protagonist is going to be, what the baddie's going to be, how the spaceship's going to look. And I'll come up with the artwork for that, and that'll inevitably then become the book cover. And then that's in my head when I'm writing. Well, this is probably why it all fits together so beautifully, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> somebody who writes from the seat of their pants and then thinks, oh, what now? I, I must say I write and don't even know what I'm going to call something until I've got got to the <laughs> end of it, and then I'm, then I'm sort of fiddling about. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. So everybody's different processes to get to the to get the story out there. Do you think that you are um, more? Are, are you an artist that writes or a writer that that draws? Are, are you are you more one than the other, or do you think it's just I think, a I think seamless the, the art, connection now? The art came first, right from when I was at yeah. primary school. I was always very good at drawing and, and making things. I made cardboard models when I was a kid. I was a, a Star Wars fan, as most people my age yeah. are. And I used to build the Millennium Falcon out of cereal packets. Yeah. And then I got into Doctor Who and I would build Daleks and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So I was always, it was always the art first. Mm. And then... Which is how you write now, isn't it? You I, do the art first and then you, and yes, then on, it, on yes. it goes, you know, yeah. And then I became interested in... in uh, books I suppose as I grew up and started reading science fiction then did the degree course and became more aware of how the the scripting process worked you had to specialize on the degree and I specialized in the animation side and some very good friends of mine who were also characters in the book Mark Collins and Paul Bird they did the script writing course and so hanging around with them I started to pick up on 
the the tips and the hints and we'd we'd pass ideas backwards and forwards and the the idea from the books actually came from my degree film which I made which was a science fiction film called Unity mm. and that that was the sort of impetus for this whole series that I've written yeah and how many which are then, how many books are there now well, uh, I'm currently editing book 10 brilliant the first four are novellas. They're short. They're about 30,000, 40,000 words. And they were intended to give people a kind of a taster, get them into the series. If they don't like it, move on. If they do like it, they can then get into the bigger books that come later on. So if you like, the first four books are sort of half the length of a proper novel. And then after that, they get up to eighty to 100,000 words and they're, 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 it's, a, it's a full series. And then, of course, I have, <laughs> I have two series running alongside each other i have the josiah trenchard novels they're the mainstay of the space navy series but then alongside them is the books that are based on the original film i made uh, as a student the unity books and so the first one of those books is already published and the second one will fill in the gaps after the trenchard series finishes and they work in the same time frame so the same bit of time that the 10 Trenchard books takes place over is the same time that the two Unity books and the two different space captains, all the stuff in the background that's going on is the same, but it's seen from two different points of view. Mm, fascinating stuff. And I think it's interesting how you've had this, this original kind of imaginative breakthrough at the beginning of, of your career as a, as a writer and artist and and it stayed with you and, and I'm very similar myself because the stories that I've written in my dark fantasy um were with have been with me for years even the new thing that I've written now has been in my imagination for a very long time I'm not somebody that can just think up something and then pop it down it's kind of got a mull over in my head for about 10 years before it reaches fruition well, my dad was a very big sci-fi fan, and I think that's where I got it from. So I remember sitting on his knee watching Doctor Who when Tom Baker was the Doctor and getting into it that way. But he was a big reader of sci-fi, and he was a particular fan of Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. Yeah. I mean, he read a lot of Asimov, all the books, but particularly that. And there was a BBC radio audio dramatization of that series in the, I think it was early 70s, which my dad taped. And then later on, I would listen to. And I got very interested in the Foundation series, all about, in a nutshell, predicting the future and how to avoid the catastrophe of the universe falling apart. And that idea kind of stuck in the back of my head and worked around. And the, the idea that I came up with for my degree film was that in the Foundation series, that the, the Foundation are trying to prevent the collapse of the universe for good reasons. They're trying to be the good guys. They're trying to save people. And they kind of go about it in a, in a sort of a nice way. There, there is a little bit of war and, and, and this, that and the other, but they're, they're essentially their aims are good. And my premise for the, the film was, what if these people wanted to save humanity, but they didn't mind how they did it? And they're kind of nasty characters and they don't mind a bit of killing and all sorts of stuff that goes on. Hmm. And so that that was where more that little Yeah, that, that came directly from what if the Asimov series was very dark? Hmm. And then it got um 
But there's a lot of humour in your books as well, though. There's bit, yeah, I know yeah. when I've read read but, a couple and I've, I've I have laughed out loud with it because the, the humour comes balance. from the, the references I got. I, I I had when I was coming up with with the books as, with that as the backstory. I wanted to. I was influenced a lot by films like uh, the Aliens films. Mm. Um, Akira, a massive fan of um, a, a Japanese anime, as my mate Paul Paul Bird is. And then films like The Crow, very very dark, gothic um, sort of anti-hero film. So they they were all spinning around in my head. And then I wanted my main character to be a proper squaddy. Soldiers and sailors, they have a camaraderie. They swear a lot and they drink a lot mm. and they fight hard and that's how they survive. And I wanted my my series to feel more like, there's a great film called Dog Soldiers. Mm. And the squad is in that, the humour in that is just off the scale. It's brilliant. And I wanted my my characters to feel more like that. I also wanted to be a lot of military science fiction. My books are kind of military science fiction, which which veer into space opera. What's the, Virtually what's the all difference? Mili- uh, well, a lot of genres, <laughs> a lot of genres, a lot of genres blur around the edges. But essentially, yeah. you can call Star Trek military science fiction yeah. because it's about a space navy that flies through space and has a fight with people. But you could also call it space opera because they have a lot of emotional stories. Like a soap opera in space, essentially. Yeah. And I want I, I wanted to a lot of military sci-fi and space opera is American. Star Wars, Star Trek, the Starship Troopers film, the Aliens film, a lot of these big productions. And remember, I always think about stuff more like a film or a TV show because that's just the way I write. And I wanted to make my books feel more British because a lot of people, a lot of Americans really like British sci-fi. They love Doctor Who, uh, Blake Seven, Mm. all those sorts of shows. So I wanted to do a military sci-fi, but from the point of view of a Royal Navy sailor rather than an American Mm. system. So I've used the Royal Navy rank structure. I've based my main spaceships on a Royal Navy submarine. dank and cramped and smelly and there's not a lot of space and people get on each other's nerves and it's it i wanted it to feel a bit more real than the starship enterprise with teleporters and and magic machines that produce food out of thin air so i've thought quite a lot about the science and the real aspects of living in space and how you would do that and i don't have magic artificial gravity the ships have to spin that it's um some people have have compared my books to the expanse uh series oh, yeah. which is now a tv series as well and that's that's where i'm, I'm coming at I, but i wanted it to be distinctly british and particularly one of my favorite tv characters is gene hunt from life on mars um and then ashes to ashes and he just cracks me up his humor the way he goes into things feet first and that's who I based Trenchard on. He, he's he's Gene Hunt in in space in a Royal Navy <laughs> hunter killer submarine. Yeah, and I think the Britishness is also that humour. Even when Brits are in a dark place, we still we still have a funny comment or a bit of sarcasm. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, I think, I think that's very much part of our race. I think. 
yeah, marvelous stuff. What do you think is next? What's next for you, John? Are are you are you have you got another series, a different load of characters that you might cook up, or are you just sticking oh. with this? Or is there time the, the, indeed to the, that's the, the trouble, well, isn't it? It's, it's not the ideas, it's having the time, taken, isn't it? It's taken me four years from the last book to this book, mainly because stuff that happened in my personal life, COVID nineteen, yep. lockdown. We've all had a funny uh, couple of years. Mental health problems i've had all kinds of stress and anxiety um my dad died my mum is now very ill life gets in the way and i've kind mm. of been starting to put it all back together again and i'm hoping to publish the new book this summer but the intention was always to have i think there's going to be 12 books in the first run of the space navy series yeah. two of which are unity and the rest are mm. um other trenchant books and then that will kind of bring all the story to a finishing point but it will also leave some things open-ended so if i want to revisit it i can go back but then i have some ideas um for other books i want to write yeah um i i kind of i'm not bored of the space navy series but i've been doing it for so long now i need to get to to where i wanted to be to end that series then i need a break and i have several ideas and the the the, the difficulty is now picking which that, this which is the trouble right yeah. because the ideas aren't the problem people say where do you get your ideas from i don't know out of thin air it's not a problem executing it deciding yeah exactly executing it deciding exactly what you're going to follow through then that's that's the game isn't it i've got more ideas than i know what to do with i've got um i'm a big fan of john wyndham's books mm-hmm. Day of the Triffids, The Chrysalids, which I can't believe has never been made into a film because The Chrysalids would make a great film. Uh, the Crack and Wakes, amazing story, but they're all post-apocalyptic. And I quite like a crack at a post-apocalyptic story, and I've got one in my head, yeah. which is a very sort of John Wyndham type story. Standalone, or would it be um, a series? Probably a standalone. It might then have a sequel, but I'm not planning a series. Yeah. I'm, I'm planning some in, in individual books rather than a whole other series because, yeah. quite frankly, I don't want to get into it. The planning behind a, a series like that, yeah. reams and reams of who, which character did what in which episode and and, and so on. So a standalone um, sort of post-apocalyptic story. Uh, my wife really likes reading crime thrillers. Yeah. Uh, and I have an idea for a sort of a murder mystery serial killer type of book. And that again would probably be a one-off to start with. And then I've got a couple of other things tinkering around. It's funny, isn't it? We, we both look so nice. You wouldn't think we write this dark <laughs> shit. Would you? I've, I've always loved um, the CSI series on telly. Yeah. And there's one we're watching at the minute called Criminal Minds, all about serial killers and psychological profiling. And, you know, big fan of films like Silence of the Lambs yeah. and, my wife reads lots of James Patterson and Dean Koontz and all the sort of horror, thriller, Stephen King, yeah. um, all of that sort of stuff. And I always talk to her about what stories she's reading, which ones are good, which ones are yeah. bad. Um, is she your is I'd she love... your ideal? Because I know she does. She still do your editing because she's a, she's a yes. head, head yeah. teacher, but, yes. head teacher. I, yes, I, perfect. I I couldn't. Is she, edit. Is she your ideal? reader because i write for my husband too when i'm writing yeah. i'm thinking this will make him laugh or this will curl his toes this will well, give him a shock is is she your ideal writer reader i don't write the books specifically for her because she wouldn't necessarily read sci-fi but in terms of she's a head teacher so her grammar spelling all of that side of thing are impeccable 
So when she edits my books, she can put everything right that I've put. Did she make you write it out? <laughs> you get it really wrong. <laughs> hundred lines. Yes. Um, plus, she spends a lot of time reading, so she knows what reads well. Yes. Yeah. Plus, she knows a lot of sci-fi because she has to sit and watch a lot of it with me on the telly, and so she's got this um, different viewpoint, is what I would say. Yeah. So I can put something down in front of her, and she'll read the book and go, "That character wouldn't do that. That's not in their character. Mm. That's wrong. I don't believe that bit. You need to rewrite that bit. You need to come up with a better way." So she'll point out stuff. You'll just be blithely writing stuff away. And you just maybe go down a slightly wrong turn and she'll go, ah, 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 that isn't true to the character. And she's very good at picking up, even when we're watching something on the telly, oh, come on, that would never happen. That That's silly. That's stupid. So, yes, she's, she's great. Uh, but, but mainly because she isn't a massive sci-fi fan. She's looking at my books from the characters, the story, yeah. what's believable. Yeah. And then the sci-fi stuff is kind of there, but it's not yeah. so to she's her. It's not a critical friend, which is what you need. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I think. I think that's. I think that's ideal. And she. And obviously, she sees it from a woman's point of view as well, which is which is like it or not. You know, we have differences in how we see things. I think, and and I think that's that's always good. You know, like Paul with me, he'll he'll look at things and go, no, you know or yes, or, you know, stuff that he likes or stuff that he doesn't. I think, yeah. that, I think it's really important to have that. Yeah, it's amazing. What what I like about you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going, I'm, I'm turning back to the artwork <laughs> again now. That's okay. Um, what I think is really clever is the way it all looks of a piece. I like the way you've always had the, you know, you seem to get branding really early, whereas, whereas, you and I have been in the indie author space for quite a long time now. And, and I've seen people like myself who've started off with one thing and then had to rebrand and redo and, and have another thing. But you, you obviously with your art training, you've, you've got that right, right from the beginning, you know, you had the, the, the lettering, the whole book covers and your website and everything all links together in, in such a, such an amazing way. What advice would you give, anybody starting out or indeed anybody who's looking at their own work whatever genre they write in what advice would you give them to say this is what you've got to do in order it's difficult because I I, I don't know how much of what I've learned would be obvious to other people or not I've always been very good at designing a logo yeah and and yeah the 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 first thing I realized I needed you see the Star Wars logo, you know immediately exactly. what it is. Yeah. I needed a simple, and I went for, I, I collect the Star Wars figures, I always have done, and the Star Wars cards on the back, you have the Star Wars logo with the white line running around it. And I went for a very similar idea, yeah. very simple text, a white bar at the top and bottom, yeah. um, nothing too fancy. And then I can bring other elements into the book covers that are a bit more, you know, the the the, the logo of the Space Navy, etc. But the main logo needed to be simple. The title of the series needed to be simple because I look on Amazon a lot, and here is part seven of the uh, interstellar uh, median against the the dark arts of the Lords of the, and and some of the titles. Yeah. yeah. George Lucas went. What is my film? It's Wars in the Stars. I'll call it Star Wars. Yeah. Dead simple. Yeah. 
everybody remembers it. And people don't necessarily think, they just think Star Wars, that's a thing. They don't look at the words, Star Wars, it's wars in the stars. It's very simple, but a lot of people miss that. It's It, it was a very, very bold, simple statement. Mm. So I came up with Space Navy, yeah. not the Rigelian Space Navy or the this or the that. It's just the Space Navy series because yeah. that's exactly what it is. It's a Navy in space. Yeah. And once I had that and then I had the logo, the design of the covers Again, like I say, it came from from the the characters, the spaceships, what the stuff that was in them. My style has developed over the years out of all the things I like. Mm. Very bold colours, very high contrast, lots of very black blacks, lots of very white highlights. And green. You like green. You always seem to like green, I always think. <laughs> lots of bold colours. Yeah, so yeah. one book colour will be green. What what I tried to do, when you look on, say, Amazon, um, other publishing sites are available. Uh, <laughs> are they? <laughs> the first look you get at every book, whether it's an advertising banner or whether you're scrolling along, mm. is a thumbnail. Mm. Exactly. So it's got to work really small, hasn't it? Yes. A lot of book covers are quite detailed and you can't even read the text on the cover mm. when they're that small. Mm. So I've tried to make my, my book covers very bold, like I say, very bold colours, Bold primary, bright colours, lots of contrast, lots of blacks, lots of highlights, and the text very, very simple. Because then you can actually see it easier when you're scrolling along yeah. through a list. And when I, whenever I have a free giveaway and my book uh, gets into the, the charts, you can scroll along and a lot of the book covers kind of blur into each other. They're all very samey-samey. And then, bang, there's my red book cover from, from book two, Morgan Stern. Yeah. And it just kind of sits out on the page yeah um so my my advice would be not to necessarily try and do what everybody else is doing try and find a style of your own whatever that is and 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 don't be too worried about emulating what everybody else is doing because then you become a pin in a massive big stack of pins and nobody can pick you out. And I'm the one piece of straw, hopefully, in that big pile of pins. Mm. Well, I think they really work. But also I think they work if you're looking at them on Kindle, if you've got the Kindle and it's black and white, they still they still work when they're just just in black and white and they're tiny, those covers. Well, because the high... they've got such a they've got such an impact, I think. And and the, and the high contrast it, exactly. if you're doing anything in grayscale. Yeah got to have black blacks and white whites and, and everything in between and if the whole cover is very gray very mid-tone it all gets lost yeah so I, I'm, I'm very influenced by comic book artwork i've always collected comics and and um uh the some of my favorite comic book artwork is the very very stylized very black blacks very high contrast mm. and so that's the that's what i try to go for uh on the covers and so you have um you do print on demand and ebooks have you have you ventured into audio yet? Not yet. I want to. Yeah. Um, I'm considering reading them myself. I bought myself a fairly decent microphone. I can edit audio software. I've got, I could I can produce something reasonably professional that that way. But it's finding the time to do. Yes, it. this is the thing. And, I'm um, just doing the audio for my kids' stuff because I write that under a different name now. Um, 
and and it, it is quite time consuming yeah. <laughs> you know the dog so, barks in the kitchen or do, something and then you think oh no you know <laughs> want to get the whole of this first series finished yes in print and in kindle yeah and then go back and do I've, I've only just there's always something new to learn i've only just that they brought out on amazon for a while you could just have uh you could have an author page and put a few pictures and bits on and then on your book page you could basically just have the book cover and your product description and then they brought out this stuff called a plus content which is basically oh, yes i've just, I've just I, done I, that yeah yeah. yeah, everything I have on my website, mm. I can suddenly now put on, on it. And you've got to do it for every book. So every book can be different. You yeah. can do a blanket one and just put it on all the books. Uh, or you can have a different piece. Of, and it's like some extra pictures, a bit about the character, maybe a map showing you how all the books fit together. And you've got to then do that for every book. Yeah, it's a lot. And yeah. then I mean, it took me forever. I've just got now, four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If if you then want to do your books as a hardback, you've got to reformat mm. all of the books and do the spine width on the, yeah. the the artwork and all that. So all that's got to be done again. They've just changed. They recently changed the way the advertising works, and I'm still struggling to get my head around that. And they've just changed the way the reports work. So the bit where you look at how many books you've sold and how many free giveaways you've given, it, instead of one concise screen which they used to have, there's now like 10 separate tabs mm. and I can't work out where the information is that I need. And I hate software developers. They like to change stuff just because they, they like, like to change, change it. Stuff. Exactly. Yes. I've just and got the hang just of it. Get, yeah. Yeah. Just get used to it and it all goes. So it's not just sitting at home. People think um, publishing yourself. It's just write the book, press a book. Yes. Yeah. You have to format the document yeah. so that it will work on a Kindle. Yeah. You have to then format the document differently so that it will work in a print book. The print cover is totally different from the Kindle cover. You've got yeah. to know. And the hard, hard, hardback is another world of pain. Yes. <laughs> so all of this you've got to know on top of just write the book. Yeah. And that, I think, was the hardest thing. I've had to learn every aspect of the business not just hey i want to write this cool story about space navy but i have to say um, i think as also as an indie author like yourself i it's one of the one of the aspects i quite like about learning this new thing obviously i'm just starting out on the podcast thing now and actually i've really enjoyed working it out you know and 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 getting it putting yeah. it all together i quite i quite like the different the different week that you have some days you actually write but not many. Most of the days I'm doing adverts, I'm doing talking to people, I'm writing magazine articles, I'm doing lots of different things within this space. And, and I think possibly that's the joy of it, really. I think that's why I've been doing it so long. I agree Never to boring. a certain extent. Yeah, I, I, I've learned, I've enjoyed learning how to publish and I've enjoyed learning how to do a paperback cover, mm. which is completely different. The Kindle cover is just one image. The paperback cover... The, it, the width of the spine changes depending on how many pages, pages yeah. you've got and so on and so on. I enjoyed learning how to build a website. I've never done it before. Mm. And I started with Google Sites because it's free and it's relatively easy. And I've had to learn an awful lot about how stuff will look on a computer screen and then on a mobile phone and how to do links and how to do this, that, and, that. and that's been, been quite mm. um, entertaining. The bit of struggle with is like i say it's when they change everything on the advertising platform when they change everything where you get your your results 
Um, yes, I looked at that the other day and went, oh, really, what now? I don't mind it, actually. I didn't hate it as much as I thought, because I just thought, please, no, I just understand the other. I just, I don't want it moved, the goalposts. So yeah. I'm like, ah, yeah. you know, but anyway. You have to learn it all again. That That's the bit, and it's it's the technical bit rather than the creative bit, because building a website is creative, and I enjoyed yeah. that. Doing a book covers is creative. Writing the books is creative. It's the... The the um the business side I yes, suppose that are me too you know this is why big publishers have people to do all of this stuff yeah. for them so you have someone who does do, do you outsource media. anything um no because I can't no, afford to so I do it yeah. myself and I'm, I'm fairly good at doing yeah. most of it I, I have professional editor yeah. uh do yeah. do the editing because I haven't got a I'm not married to a head teacher unfortunately um. <laughs> more's a pity um but after after that it's just down to me really yeah you know so so it goes on yes so the indie author life it's it's good and it's bad isn't it <laughs> anyway we've got five minutes left if you've got a new thing coming out my new book is coming out hopefully this summer that's part 10 i think in the space navy series it's called war game it's an old enemy. I'm trying not to give any spoilers away. It's an old enemy that's coming back to have another go at Trenchard. Mm. But I just want to mention um, a, a mate of mine, John Kershaw, who um, it was an old buddy. I worked with him at um, Hot Animation. Without my knowledge, he started reading my books. Somehow he found me and he found that I was writing books. I don't know whether I mentioned it to him. And then he popped on and left reviews for me and, and totally not, asked for I, I, he just just did it and I got back in touch and said hey brilliant do you like the books and so we've started talking and he's then given me some of his thoughts on what happens in the books and um one of the things he wanted to see more of was the, the physics in space gravity due to acceleration and that mm. sort of type of thing and I, I tend not to go into the science side too heavily because I think it sometimes gets in the way of the story and I'm more about the characters he had given me a few things to think about about how an actual spaceship would maneuver around in space and sudden acceleration and sudden deceleration things that would be problematic around that and because the new book largely is a battle in space mm. It's all in there. I, I went and I researched it, and I, I actually, in, in Star Trek, they have um, a device, a magic device, which accounts for all of this. Mm. This device is called an inertial dampener, um, and it, it, it reduces the effects of gravity when you're turning or accelerating or decelerating mm. in space. I wrote a whole se- a section where they have to turn this off and then what it what it will do to the crew mm. and how many broken ribs there are. Mm. And then um, just because he gave me the idea, I've called uh, part of this machine the Kershaw unit. Yeah, perfect. So I, I, like to yeah. Name, I like to name drop in my books. Yeah. So friends of mine will turn up as characters. Yeah. And, and it's just a little shout out to John because um, it gave an extra element, an extra bit of interest to the new book. Yeah. So you're always just finding out new things about about you know, how, how it might all work, that world. And, and it's it's endlessly oh. fascinating. Where can they find you and all your stuff online? So if anyone uh, is on Twitter or generally, it's hashtag Space Navy. On Amazon, if you just search for the Space Navy series or Jonathan Fletcher, and my name is spelt with an O at the end, Jonathan rather than Jonathan. Or my website is all the W's sites.google.com forward slash view forward slash space navy. 
I am going to get a, a, an individual website address at some point, but that's another thing I've got to do off my checklist. But uh, yeah, if you're on Amazon, just search for the Space right. Navy series and you should find. And I'll put I'll put the, some notes in the I'll put it in the show notes for you. Brilliant. Well, it's been great to speak to you, Jonathan, and keep it up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Really appreciate the the chance to come on your podcast. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Have a good day. And you, Bye-bye. sweetie. Thanks you. Bye bye. It was great to talk to Jonathan about all his amazing ideas. Have a look at his stuff. You'll find the links in the show notes. Next week, my guest is Doug J. Cooper, and he writes science fiction thrillers about cops in space and artificial intelligence. He knows a lot about science, and I think you'll find it really interesting, so do come along. This has been Words and Pictures Podcast, and I'm DJ Bowman-Smith. For the show notes and all the links that we've mentioned, find us all on www.djbowmansmith.com. And thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye.